evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for joining me once again. I don't know if you can see outside my window here, but we are getting very gray and overcast. I think it was just yesterday I was saying to Andy, wow, I wish we had like one rainy day. And he's like, what are you talking about? It rains here every day. And I'm like, no, I mean like a day that's actually rainy the whole day. And sure enough, today, because of Hurricane Idalia, um, it's looking really great. Excuse me. I love Coke, but the problem is that when you drink it, it makes you burp, unfortunately, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. Thank you all for joining me. Psycho Clown says that young man's mom, referring to the young man in Colorado that we're going to read about, uh, shuts that lippy teacher down too. The teacher was clearly triggered by a tiny little symbol from the history that she knew nothing about. We are going to talk about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. As you guys know, I am a Colorado native and I frankly have felt a great deal of respect for Colorado's governor. Um, I remember when he was elected, uh, a lot of my coworkers were like talking about him because he won, right? And we were a pretty conservative unit for the most part. Um, and everyone there was like, did you know that he was gay? And I was like, I didn't even know he was gay. He never talked about it his entire campaign. It's not what he used to try and win this election. So he's always been one of the more moderate less identity politics Democrats in office. And for that, I kind of have to respect him. I think we're going to respect him a little bit more after today, but we'll read the whole story, get the whole scoop. I don't know much about what's been going on with this kid in Colorado. I will say my take on the Gadsden flag is a little bit disappointing probably to most people, but I'll explain it. It'll make sense. Let's hop right into it. Pedrag says, stay safe. This is over on the, okay, so we're in the southeast corner of Florida. And this is happening up in the northwest corner. Um, and it's already getting crazy. And Governor DeSantis has already sprung into action, making sure that everybody's ready. He's given a bunch of press conferences. Um, so let's look at what he's saying now. I tweeted about this because it's really interesting to me personally, like very like personal, personally applicable. If you, I said, if you tried to get me to evacuate without dip and dot ink, you would fail <laughs> because Team DeSantis tweeted out, we are also working with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association to make sure that all hotels will allow you to bring your pets. Please take care of your pets. Very, very important. They need you. They absolutely do. 100%. And I appreciate that he's doing that because that's actually going to save people's lives because... <laughs> I don't know why people don't take this more seriously, but we have data that shows that people will not take their own medicine, but if you give them medicine for their pets, they will dutifully dole it out to them for however long is necessary to make sure their pets are taken care of. So when it comes to getting people to evacuate for um, hurricanes, it's a great incentive to say, hey, you know what? Don't worry. You can bring your pets with you, whatever ends up happening. Florida Yacker says Southwest Florida here. Also beautiful. I'm sure you guys are going to get a bunch of rain too. I'm actually really surprised we're seeing anything at all. I didn't expect anything, but I am so new here. I will say that this is not like our typical afternoon rainstorms. Usually we get really heavy, dark clouds, and then it rains for about 15 minutes and it's gone, completely cleared up. This has been gray and just like settled over us for quite a while. And I won't show you the weather images because it's not that big a deal, but it does look like it's going to go all the way up. Let's see. It's going to go up through Georgia 
and through both Carolinas and then I think out into the ocean and then it should hopefully be done. And it sounds like it might be a category three by the time it hits the panhandle of Florida. So definitely thoughts and prayers for those peeps up there. I do have friends up there and hope that they are keeping well and staying safe, especially those of us who just moved here because this is new territory to all of us for sure. All right, let's hop into it. Let's see what we're going to talk about next. Oh, I lost my place here. I want to talk about this because I thought it was super interesting. So this is something that Andy and I were talking about the other day, and I'd really like to kind of corral my thoughts in it because it's super important. Um, Dyatica says it's looking pretty nasty. Be careful. Be safe. Yeah, for sure. Florida Yacker says should just get rain and wind here where I'm at. Yeah, it will probably be pretty mild for people who aren't up in the panhandle. But for those who are, definitely be careful. Jessica Simpson slammed for letting 11-year-old daughter Maxwell wear crop top. Okay, so here's the situation. Her daughter is not even 12 years old, but she is seen hanging out with her mom, posing for pictures in a crop top. Okay, she's not even an adolescent. I don't think she's developed in any way at all. Let's read a little bit about it. Oh, crop. Jessica Simpson was mercilessly dragged for allowing her 11-year-old daughter Maxwell to wear a crop top. In a photo share via Instagram Friday, the irresistible singer wore a pink mini dress as she posed beside her tween, who was also who was dressed in a long denim maxi skirt with a matching corset style belly shirt. Bring your Barbie to work day, heart. Simpson, 43, captioned the mother-daughter snaps. The clothes designer was quickly smacked with a barrage of comments roasting her for permitting her daughter to wear the midriff-bearing tank top. And I have to be honest, this gives me a little bit of hope for humanity. Okay, I will say first off that there are two stances on this, right? Andy sent me a video of a woman who was at a school board meeting ranting about how her 10-year-old daughter should not have been forced to change her clothes. What you need to do as school board members is stop sexualizing children, right? Let that sink in for just a minute because it's pretty clear at this point that both sides of this argument want to protect children to varying degrees. You can argue about it however you want. But it's pretty clear that the best interest of children is in the minds of both of the parties engaged arguing here. And I think this is the case here as well. I think that the people saying you shouldn't let your 11-year-old daughter wear a crop top like that have a point. I also think that Jessica is the mom and she has the final say and she should be able to dictate what her daughter does and doesn't wear. But at the same time, the internet is where everybody gets to spout their two cents, their opinion for whatever it's worth. Let's continue. Isn't she like 11 or something? Stop sexualizing your little girl, one person slammed in the comment section. This is how Instagram comments go, though, to be fair. You can post a picture of a baby otter learning to swim. swim. Literally, there's a reason I use this example. Post a picture, a video of a baby otter learning to swim and people lose their minds. They'll be like, uh, the caption will say something along the lines of, okay, so this is a baby otter where you rescued learning how to swim. It's really cute. This is how they do it in the wild, blah, blah, blah. And everyone in the comments is like, why did you take that baby otter away from its mother? What are you doing? What kind of ch- animal abuser are you? You didn't read the caption. You don't care at all about the context. You actually don't care what happens to this otter. You just want to get out there and yell at someone. So that's definitely a component when it comes to Instagram comments. But let's read on a little. If you would ask me, I would have guessed her age to be 13, 14 by the way she was dressed and looked. A second person wrote, we were trying to age faster than we need to. 
We all try to look older when we're younger. It's up to the parents to make sure that we dress appropriately for our age. Beautiful girl, beautiful mother. That's a very nice comment. And I think she's right. She's got a point about trying to age too quickly. Definitely something to keep in mind. And that, see, I like that because it gets into the philosophy behind why people dress in certain ways and why Jessica would think this was okay for her little 11-year-old girl. Who lets their 11-year-old child out of the house dressed like that? A third question to adding, too busy trying to be her minor daughter's best friend. That's another problem. I see a lot of people trying to befriend their children. Now, my parents, when I was growing up, said, no, 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 we're not your friends. We're your parents. You only have two parents. You'll have plenty of other friends throughout your life. My mom even said to me, she was like, hopefully when you're older, we will be friends, right? But for now, we are in a parent-child relationship, and I'm going to tell you what to do, try to keep you safe, tell you what I think will work best for you, etc. I respected that. I appreciated it. And I went through life with the understanding that this isn't my friend. This is my mom. She has a stance that's going to be different from my friends, and I think that's great. After years of denouncing how she was over-sexualized as a young adult, this is interesting, and the scrutiny she faced, she's now making sure her daughter will have the same experience instead of protecting her from it. Shameful and incredibly sad. Poor Maxwell. Why the heck would you let your child dress like this is beyond me, another exclaimed. I'm really surprised. However, other people were defending Maxwell's fashion choice, called out the haters for judging Simpson's parenting decisions. Right. So this gets a little bit, I'm sure they're going to take it too far. I'm sure they're going to take it in a feminist direction, but it gets a little bit into my concept of it actually is your kid at the end of the day. And you should have that position to say, my kid can wear this. My kid can't wear this. I think it's fine. I think it's not fine. She's your kid. Like you get to use your judgment. That's part of being a parent. You have to make those tough calls for your kids and you are allowed to make questionable choices for those kids. The irony of everyone in the comments accusing her of sexualizing her daughter by allowing her to wear whatever the heck she wants when y'all are doing the exact same thing to an 11-year-old girl on the internet whom you don't even know, a fan commented, Jessica Simpson, you look stunning. Yeah, so there is common ground here that no one can seem to grasp, right? Neither side wants kids to be sexualized. However, I will say that pointing out that an 11-year-old girl should probably not be wearing a crop top in her own best interest is not sexualizing her. It's pointing out a problem. And I think this gets right to the heart of the difference between the right and the left. The right recognizes that there are <laughs> there are some really bad people in the world. And it's a serious issue that we need to remember all the time. Right? We need to be on guard. We need to be aware of what's happening. And we need to be constantly paying attention to prevent predators from going after our kids, especially today, right? Especially in this day and age, we need to be careful, especially mindful. And then on the on the left, people assume everyone's good. This is something Camille Paley I used to argue about too. She would talk about how, yes, you do have a right to go to a club dressed however you want. But if something happens to you, She's not going to feel as sympathetic for you as she would if you had taken proper precautions. And I'm paraphrasing very much there, so don't quote me on that. You're more than welcome to look up her stance on this. She said, you know, you need to dress according to what you want to happen to you over the course of the night. And that's putting it pretty crassly, but at the same time, there's an element of realism here that I think the left misses. 
Um, calling out an 11 year old for wearing a crop top is not quote sexualizing her. It's pointing out an issue other people might sexualize her. And it's definitely something that Jessica should pay attention to. Yeah, she does look stunning. She looks adorable. I love Jessica's pink dress, whatever. Um, it doesn't really matter. None of this really matters, but I just thought this was a significant issue that we should probably discuss because it, it so clearly paints the difference between the right and the left's perspective on humanity. Another agreed writing. So cute. P.S. If you sexualize an 11 year old for what she is wearing, you are part of the problem. No. Pointing out that what she's wearing will get her sexualized is not actually sexualizing her. Period. And I think we should clear that up 100%. Let's see what you guys are saying. Um, <laughs> teachers try to be their friends too. Kids do not have adult friends, should not have adult friends. They should have respected adults, authority figures, and role models. Correct. In fact, it becomes very dangerous when your teachers are saying, I'm your friend. You can trust me. Keep secrets. In fact, everything I follow on Instagram, everyone is already like, tell your kids that secrets are what we do not want. Surprises are something that other people will be excited to learn about. Secrets are things that will get you in trouble and that make you feel guilty and that you're scared to talk about, right? And and illuminating that distinction from a young age is super, super important because I think that people are looking at modern teachers and they're like, holy hell, what is going on here? This is not going to work for me. I do not want a teacher to, you know, hijack my child's thinking and turn them into something they don't want to be. Now we're going to talk about what's going on with that in California because, the state of California is suing some teachers over their their decision to tell parents that their child is trying to socially transition. Really interesting story, so we'll get into that. Josie said, the issue isn't so much the friendship with other adults. It's knowing boundaries exist that parents must enforce. Too often issues arise because of absent parents. Well, that's just true. Parents absolutely 100% need to be present um, for the first years of life, pretty much all the time. And then after that, Still very, very attentive as kids go through some tough times and life gets really challenging as far as adolescence and whatever. All right, let's hop on to the next thing. Stevie says, seems like the right just wants crime to end while the left thinks noticing your crime is worse than the crime that's right. That's a great point. This is something we can see, that we can see pretty much everywhere. So pointing out an issue, pointing out homelessness, calling homeless people homeless is the problem. And this is something, you know, I'll, I'll read you guys this tweet real quick because I thought it was funny. Um, Chu said, <laughs> this type of stuff is so funny because eventually unhoused will be the bad word to say. So what's the point? Just never ending language policing to feel temporarily better while nothing changes. I have the answer to this question, what she's talking about here, because she's t- t- sharing title of an article that says homeless, houseless, unhoused. Is it okay to use the word homeless or should you say unhoused? The use of the term unhoused has grown exponentially in the last few years and those who adapted it, those who have adopted it say it emphasizes a lack of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Some advocates think the newer word doesn't go far enough. Homeless houses unhoused, they're abstract and kind of euphemisms. I prefer housing deprived, but it's a mouthful, says Jonathan Russell, chief strategy and impact officer at Bay Area Community Services. So, I'm assuming the Bay is the San, San Francisco Bay. And I'm assuming that this is what these people are doing with their salaries instead of actually trying to solve the problem. But I said, and I think I'm correct about this, it is not about the word per se. It is about the team with a capital T. Are you on the team, folks, with an X? And I said, see how that works? Folks doesn't mean anything. They know it doesn't mean anything. It is not gendered in any way. 
it is just a tribal marker. So it's not about the word itself. It's about them using words as tool, which is actually very useful to realize about the left. They really like to use words as methods to gain power. And for the people who are constantly talking about how the right always wants power, I'm just saying they're doing nothing but projecting. Hello, two ladies. Welcome in. Uh, Dietica says, I remember a George Carlin skit about cascading euphemisms. Yes, feels like that for sure. For sure. All right. What are we going to hop to here next? Um, oh yeah, this one's really good. I liked this one a lot. Moment furious commuters rip banners away from climate activists blocking roads and angry rush hour clash screaming, we have kids to feed. I want to get to work. Com- commuters climbed out of their cars to scream at eco-protesters on the road. The Washington, D.C. protesters were arrested by local cops shortly after. The footage mirrors the anger seen at eco-protesters in Nevada at the Burning Man gathering. We'll look at that in a minute because that was such a great video. (laughs) Angry American motorists fumed tore tore banners away and screamed at activists blocking Washington, D.C. traffic last week in the latest showdown between eco-warriors and drivers. The anti-fossil fuel group Declare Emergency... I don't know where these people get their names, but I have a theory about these groups we'll get to in a minute. Sat in the middle of the highway on Saturday preventing any movement that caused motorists to get out of their cars and rip banners uh, away from the protesters' hands. I want to work. I want to go to work. One driver screamed. Yeah, duh. You don't give an F. Get the F out of here. We have got to go to effing work. Another woman was heard yelling at the protesters' faces. We have kids to feed. B word. (laughs) I would be screaming too. Can you imagine if your child, so this actually happened in California uh, a few years back. There was a young girl. Well, we saw this not too long ago, too, with a mother who was trying to take her daughter to the hospital in the UK. There was a young girl in the back of an ambulance and these protesters blocked off the street. And I don't remember if she ended up dying or if her condition just ended up being way worse because of it. But I remember it, it gave me such a sense of furious anger to quote Pulp Fiction. And I was just like, you know what? If I'm ever in a situation where I encounter these people, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for me. Um, I saw a meme today that said people have to believe in karma because if you try to exempt, if you try to exact justice on these people, you're going to end up in jail. And I was basically like, yeah, honestly, DC police arrived to push back on the angry motorists and give the declare emergency protesters a warning to move. The activists quickly stood up, at which point police arrested them all. Good. The confrontation comes at the same time as similar and protest in Nevada's Burning Man Festival led cops to drive a truck into protesters who blocked the road to the event's entrance. Now, from my understanding, those weren't actually cops. Those were Nevada Rangers, who I think were Native American, a Native American group. So the ultimate, you know intersectionality clash right here. Yeah. So here, this is so interesting because all these people are old, right? Every single one of these people are, people are boomers. Like this lady has white hair. This guy has white hair. This guy has white hair. All these, these people aren't young. And that's really interesting to me. My personal theory about these protesters is that they are (laughs) actually bought and paid for by fossil fuels. Um, by the companies that make this stuff. And they are, (laughs) they are paid to make green activists look bad. And I know that's a little bit, uh, of an edgy take and I could definitely be wrong, but I was just thinking about it and I was just tickled by the idea that 
if they wanted to make green activists look really, really stupid and really, really awful and make people really hate them, this would be a great way to go. Just saying. Burning Man 2023, Nevada Rangers plow truck through Extinction Rebellion protest after activists block road into festival causing miles long gridlock. Demonstrators sobbed as they were tackled by cops in Nevada on August 27th. Officers from the Pyramid Lake Paiute Tribal Police Force drove through the blockade. Activists were protesting the Burning Man Festival over the use of private jets. Okay, whatever. I don't care about you. Let's watch this video. It's great. Oh, they're gonna make a, gonna make us watch an ad. Come on, guys. We'll give it a second. Yeah, Dyatica says yeah. That almost makes sense. It does because I can't imagine a way to get more normal people more furious with the green movement than to have them stuck in traffic. They probably sat down and they were like, "What makes people the angriest of anything?" But they're like, "Taxes." Like, well, we can't do anything about taxes. Actually, we need taxes, but. Traffic makes people mad too, so let's use that. All right, let's watch this video. That video is so interesting to me because, first of all, it's very clear that they're not angling for any of the protesters. They're clearly going for the trailer because the trailer is going to be what pushes people out of the way, right? And that's exactly what happens here. Pushes this lady right out of the way. It's great. Uh, immediately, as soon as it happens, did you get that? Did you get that? They gave you a warning to move and you chose not to take them up on it. In fact, you can see this woman here. She actually attempts to stand more in the way as this truck drives up against the trailer, expecting them to stop. These are, these have got to be some of the most entitled people in the world. And I don't even care if they're paid for by, you know, big oil or whatever. They are unbelievably entitled. And the fact that somebody starts screaming like a full minute after this happens, I'm just like, you're so clearly acting and it's so poorly done. It's honestly kind of embarrassing. First of all, I have to say this little blockade is truly, I would just be ashamed to be associated with it. It is one trailer and like four people. Yeah. So we have a couple signs. Oh my gosh. Well, let me pause. And we have lady. She's like, oh no, I'll push back on this. That'll get him to stop. No, it won't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> These people don't care what you do. They have some flags. They have some signs. Pathetic. Honestly pathetic. And if I were a car on this road, I would just drive around them because look at all this area where you can drive. But Andy says, yeah, those are tribal rangers, not your grandma's highway patrol. Yes, correct. Um, they don't give two ishes what you think. The bumper of that police truck looked damaged afterwards. We should go fund me their repairs. I'm sure they're going to be just fine. And then they go in and they arrest people and they're like, this, we're not having this. We're just not having this. I guarantee you that they make a ton of money off this festival and they have no interest in allowing it to be interrupted. And I completely understand because all of us, wherever we live, we take every opportunity we can to help the place we live to earn money, right? We want to make sure that the place we live has plenty of funding. We want to make sure they have some of that 
that sweet, sweet government cash to make sure that things work over there and abolish capitalism. <sighs> These people are exhausting. They truly are. I just have no patience for people who are like, I think these girls are probably a little bit younger than me, but I'm just like, why, why, what made you so entitled? And I, I'm honestly starting to think that this is the result of telling everyone how special they are. And my parents very carefully made a point of not telling us that we were super, super special on our own. They told us that we had the potential to do great things, not necessarily that we were special on our own. They told us that we were works in progress and that we were always going to be working on ourselves to make sure that we were trying to, you know, be the best possible people we could be for the world. Um, Dietica, so they could have set up their signs and whatnot on the side of the road and more people would have gotten their message. That's not what they want. They could want to cause trouble. They want to make everyone's lives more difficult and they can because they have free time. The other thing too, that also affects this is that they do have too much free time. hundred percent. They just, man, I don't know. Somebody's giving them money to do this and <laughs> whoever's funding them, they must have a nice bankroll. Jared says, fun fact, the tribal police are not beholden to the state or other law agencies that the woke actives have infected, so they won't be friendly to woke white lefty elites. Good. Perfect. I want to see more of this. The only problem is that they probably only work in these specific states, but I think that's fantastic. More power to them. Much respect as far as that goes. Um, but I wanted to highlight that because I had such a fun time watching it yesterday. For sure. Oh, you know what? I accidentally just closed something I wanted to read. Oh, yeah. Let's read this one for sure. New York City migrant crisis. So we're going to switch gears. We're going to pop up to New York City. So we've been to Florida this evening. We looked at Nevada. We're looking at New York City. We're going to look at Colorado. We're going to look at California. And we're going to look at Wyoming. So we got a bunch of states to cover tonight. New York City migrant crisis open letter from CEOs calls on Biden to control the border and speed up work permits for asylum seekers. Interesting. So I first summarized this as finally Democrats are noticing that this is actually Democrats' fault. However, this doesn't appear to be what's happening. What they're pushing for is basically more leniency for illegal immigrants. And I find that personally quite gross. At least they're calling on them to control the border. Let's see what they have to say. More than 100 New York City business leaders signed the open letter Monday, called on Biden to control the border and speed up work authorizations. Letters supported Governor Hochul's call for more resources to handle the crisis. More than 100 business leaders in New York City have penned an open letter. This we know. The letter comes as New York City has been overrun with 100,000 migrants filling shelters and leaving many to sleep on sidewalks throughout Manhattan. This also happened in Massachusetts, where they declared a state of emergency. New York business community is deeply concerned about the humanitarian crisis that has resulted from the continued flow of asylum seekers into our country, the letter stated. You didn't give a single flying bleep about this until it affected you personally. I really don't want to hear it. Situation is overwhelming the resources not only of the border region. Oh, now you care about the border region. That's super nice view. This is very strong Martha's Vineyard vibes here. But of the city and state governments across the nation, it added, noting that New York City alone has received more than 100,000 migrants whose ultimate asylum and work status remains unclear. That's right. That's because they're in the country illegally. A White House official responded in a statement to DailyMail.com saying the Biden administration has led the largest expansion. Okay. Of lawful pathways in decades, yes, we know, and we are not in a good place because of it, but thank you. 
um, and is committed to building a humane, safe, and orderly immigration system. Well, you're failing so far and everyone is suffering for it. Good work. (sighs) New York City is not going to learn anything from this. They will not change their policies. I think she looks like Maleficent from the Disney movie from Sleeping Beauty, I think. Just my two cents. She looks like a, she looks like a villain in a cartoon. New York City has more seen more than a hundred thousand migrants arrive from the southern border, filling shelters and causing some to sleep on the streets. Right. Well, everyone is suffering because these are the Democrat policies. Now, this is Eric Adams, who previously was saying that New York City is in fact a sanctuary city, and now has kind of changed his tune. Let's see what's going on in Massachusetts. Excuse me, Mara Healy. Massachusetts immigration, such long words. Let's see what we got. The latest news. Three weeks ago. Okay, so that's not nothing recent there. It looks like that's the most recent thing from Massachusetts. Oh yeah, Boston Globe. Boston Globe, Annie will tell you, is the more conservative paper in Boston. Even liberals like Mara Healy are souring on Biden's immigration bungling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that shouldn't be surprising to anyone, but you know it's never going to change their stance. It's certainly never going to change their partisanship. Whatever. It is what it is. What are you going to do? Um, an emergency shelter from being built on Randall's Island to help house the massive influx of migrants into New York City. Wow, they are not doing well with this. It's almost like their infrastructure isn't good because cities run by Democrats don't do very well. New Yorkers see migrant burden as a serious problem. Yes, they're over the gracious and charming and generous position. They've moved right into you're a serious problem and you need to leave. How serious a problem do you think the recent influx of migrants coming to New York is for the state? Very serious, 54%. Yeah, 100%. I don't blame them at all. Honestly, I just wish that they would actually make policy changes. So let's see. BlackRock, Larry Fink was one of the guys who signed this letter. We need you to speed up the process to make it so that these people can work in the United States. Now, just to recap, we know that the Biden administration is suing SpaceX, right? For trying to make sure that they only hire illegal American citizens, right? That's crazy to me. And now we have a CEO of Pfizer, Tishman Speyer, um, Center Bridge, Paramount Global, Davis Polk. I'm not sure who most of these companies are. Con Edison, Ernst & Young, J.P. Morgan Chase, mm-hmm. Marsh McLennan, Centerview Partners, WNBA. That's nice. We've got the full intersectional group, General Atlantic. City, of course, and Macy's. A lot of big banks really interested in getting it so that more immigrants can work. Just saying. Attica says, why don't we speed up the process where we send them back to their own countries? Good question. I don't know enough about it, unfortunately, to tell you one way or the other. Well, let's see what we're going to talk about next. Whew. Oh, yeah, this is really good. I'm going to read you guys the sentence because this guy... This guy is the chief political reporter at the AP, and we're going to read what he has to say. Circling back a little bit, back to Florida for a minute. Ron DeSantis scoffed when the NAACP issued a travel advisory this spring, warning black, capital B, people to use extreme care if traveling to Florida. Just three months later, 
DeSantis is leading his state through the aftermath of a racist attack that left three African-Americans dead. Black leaders in Florida and across the nation say they're outraged by his actions and rhetoric ahead of the shooting. My story with Brendan Farrington. So this got 253 likes and it got 2000 comments. Yeah. So he got ratioed like right to hell. What Ron DeSantis was trying to do in the state of Florida that caused the NAACP to issue their state of emergency or whatever it was for the state of Florida. They were trying to build a curriculum that did not involve CRT. That's it. That is it. And this is what the chief political reporter at the AP is choosing to do with this information. And I have to say, he should be fired for this tweet 100%. I agree with Ben Shapiro on this count entirely because, oh, wow. 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 Good stuff. I just thought it was fascinating because <laughs> let's look up some of the reasoning behind the NAACP's state of emergency for Florida. My stupid mic is floating up into my face. Let's see here. NAA Florida state of emergency. That should give us what we need. Yes. NAACP issues travel advisory in Florida. Let's read their words, right? May 20th, 2023. Today, the NAACP board of directors issued a formal travel advisory for the state of Florida. Travel advisory comes in direct response to Governor Ron DeSantis' aggressive attempts to, okay, so listen carefully, to erase black history and to restrict diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in Florida schools. This is what the AP is saying enabled a racist shooting in the state of Florida. I'm at a loss. This is really something. The formal travel notice states Florida is openly hostile toward African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. Tell that to Miami. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African Americans and other communities of color. What they're saying is, if you don't buy into our very narrow, very specific view of the African American experience and you choose to go to Florida, your blood is on your own hands. We tried to warn you and you're an idiot. Let me be clear. Failing to teach an accurate representation of the horrors and inequalities that black Americans have faced and continue to face is a disservice to students and a dereliction of duty to all, said the NAACP president and CEO. Under the leadership of Governor DeSantis, the state of Florida has become hostile to black Americans and in direct conflict with the democratic ideals that our union was founded upon. He should know that Democrats will prevail because its defenders, democracy, excuse me, will prevail because its defenders are prepared to stand up and fight. We're not backing down and we encourage our allies to join us in the battle for the soul of our nation. Okay, Joe Biden, calm down. The travel advisory was initially proposed to the board of directors by the NAACP's Florida State Conference. The NAACP's collective consideration of this advisory is a result from unrelenting attacks on fundamental freedoms from the governor and his legislative body. No examples given. Very interesting. Let's look something up before we move on. NAACP leaders love Florida. They really do. Do, 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 do. 
NAACP's chairman lives in Tampa and vacations in Florida. Yeah, look at that. NAACP board members homes and vacations in Florida despite travel advisory warning African-Americans not to travel there because it's, quote, hostile. It just sounds to me like they're trying to keep Florida for themselves, which I find nasty. Um, but I also understand I also want leftists to stay out of the state and I have no issue with telling people to just stay away if they're interested in coming up this way. Um, what else am I going to say? Something insightful, I'm sure, that I can't quite remember there. Um, yeah, so anyway, the AP is garbage. Absurd propaganda. Someone said AP now stands for, which is fascinating. And I just wanted to highlight that to you guys because they are clearly incredibly biased, especially when it comes to any kind of... Well, the problem with Florida is that it is home to a governor who is doing an excellent job whose work is actually getting results, whose people are very well served by his work. That's what I was going to say. The people in Florida are incredibly nice, incredibly happy, helpful, glad to be working, it feels like. Um, There's a world of difference between the happiness level, and it's very clear to see. It's very clear, and I don't feel like I'm going to step on anybody's toes with this, but there is such a deep feeling of resentment in the Northeast versus down here. And I'm not sure. Well, I am sure why it is. I think I know exactly why it is. I'm willing to bet that in Massachusetts, it's heavily because of higher education, pushing and telling people that white people are to blame for everything. They are the cause of all the evils in the world. You know, everything bad that happens is because of them. There was such a horrible attitude. If you ever had to go to a store with an African-American employee, you could expect to be treated rudely. You could be expect to expect to be spoken down to. Whereas in Florida, everyone seems happy to help you. They don't really care about your race. And I think that's a positive thing. That's the world that I grew up in. That's the world that I want my children to grow up in. Don't know. I don't know at all. I'm going to show you this hot air page. I'm gonna, I want you to look at this. <laughs> I want you to look at this straw poll in the top here because look at these two competitors. Donald Trump, 62.75%, and Donald Trump, 13.73%. So that's quite the poll, guys. I wonder who's winning in that particular poll. <laughs> Judge rules against University of Wyoming sorority. They must admit transgender woman. Interesting reasoning for doing this. I want to emphasize that Wyoming is one of the most conservative states in the country. If this happens in Wyoming, it can happen anywhere. It can happen in West Virginia, which everyone thinks is super conservative. It can, to, to a similar degree, happen in places like New Hampshire, which is apparently full of absolutely crazy people. But because of what DeSantis has done with getting everybody into the same, onto the same team as far as politics in the state of Florida, it is much less likely to happen here. But let's read about this specific case. U.S. District Judge Allen B. Johnson dismissed a civil lawsuit against Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority and the first openly transgender woman to join the sorority at the University of Wyoming. The war on women continues, especially on university campuses. And I'm going to be referring to this person as a trans-identifying male, because that is the most concise way to express it. The federal judge nominated in 1985 by President Reagan found in a 41-page decision that the plaintiffs failed to state a claim against this trans-identifying male or the, soror- or the sorority. Naturally, the man cosplaying as a woman to get into the sorority is pleased. His attorney released a statement. 
We are elated that the court saw the allegations against Ms. Langford our way as substantiated and unbefitting of a federal court as Ms. Langford outfitted in her her motion to dismiss the allegation against her were largely unrelated to any legal claims the plaintiff raised. But they are being used to crowdfund nevertheless. Rachel Burkness, Langford's attorney, said in a statement to Wyoming file, Wyoming file, Ms. Langford can now return to campus and focus on being a student rather than having to worry about potentially defending herself against bogus claims. The claims against this person are disgusting and gross, and this is just another case of women being forced to share space with men against their will for the sake of making sure that no one's feelings get hurt. And by no one, I mean men, because the women, they don't care at all about. Langford was admitted to the sorority last fall. In March, I wrote about seven sorority members filing a lawsuit against the sorority for admitting them. Langford was admitted by a vote of the university's chapel member, chapter membership. Johnson noted the vote on his decision. Johnson said he would not define a woman and that the sorority is a private organization. The University of Wyoming chapter voted to admit, and more broadly, a sorority of hundreds of thousands approved Langford. With its inquiry beginning and ending there, the court will not define woman today. The delegate of a private voluntary organization interpreted woman otherwise undefined in the nonprofit's bylaws expansively. This judge may not invade Kappa Kappa Gamma's freedom of expression association and inject the circumstance, circumscribed definition plaintiffs argue. So what he's basically saying is that because the sorority did not feel it was necessary to define what a woman was in the terms of their charter or whatever it is that organizes a sorority, they are not now in a position to say, this person isn't actually a woman. We're not interested in having this person in our sorority, in our sister house, right? And I have to say, there might be something to that. But at the same time, there was a time when you didn't think that this would be necessary. Absolutely not. But here we are. And I just want to emphasize this can happen in your state if you don't have an extremely strong conservative leadership. It is going to fall if you don't take steps to make sure that you define woman every possible place you can. All this other stuff. Yeah. You're going to go down a dark road if you're not careful. It is coming for you. CVJ says New Hampshire's where libertarians lock to. So the politics are pretty interesting. Um, Yes and no, because my husband is a libertarian anarchist. I don't think those people are crazy. Most recently, a Republican activist, I think, was stabbed in New Hampshire. And I think he ended up dying, which was incredibly troubling to me because it just seems to me, for whatever reason, it is actually crazy up there. And one of their representatives was just arrested for possession of um, CSAM, as it's abbreviated. Yeah, so this transgender elected official was caught in possession of abuse material of children. And I'm just like, for whatever reason, the further north you go in the U.S., the crazier it gets, which is wild to me. Absolutely nuts. But yeah, let's move over. Now we've looked at Wyoming. Let's look at Colorado next. Yes, let's do that one next because that one's super interesting especially since I titled it in that order. Let's talk about that. Alrighty. Colorado elementary teacher kicks student 12 out of class for wearing a don't tread on me Gadsden flag as governor Jared Paulus slams her claim. It is linked to slavery. So again, the governor is a Democrat. He is a moderate Democrat. This is his stance. She's crazy for linking this to slavery. 
Democrat Colorado Governor Polis defended the schoolboy's response to the teacher. He called the patch a great teaching moment for a history lesson, correct? School administrators initially claimed that the flag had origins with slavery. That's BS. We know it. Let's see where this this one is. I'm willing to bet this is either in Colorado or in Boulder. Vanguard School. That's that in Colorado Springs? I'm not sure. A Colorado schoolboy has been kicked out of class for having a Gadsden flag patch on his backpack, despite the governor calling it a proud symbol of the American Revolution. Footage shows Jaden, 12, and his mother talking to an administrator from the Vanguard School who claimed that the flag had origins with slavery. B.S. The staffer claims that the patch was disruptive to the classroom environment. No, it wasn't. As she claimed it had origins of slavery. No, it didn't. So, just lies. He was told that the patch, which has Don't Tread on Me on, emblazoned on it, along with a, ra- a rattlesnake, was against the district's policy, and he was not allowed to go back to class unless he removed it. The pupil was told by the administrator, so the reason that they do not want the flag displayed is due to its origins with slavery and the slave trade. Nonsense. So let's listen to what he has to say. I'm going to click this. Let's see what happens. She doesn't even know what it's called. Okay, so he, he, um, he, what's going to happen if he doesn't take it off? He, I mean, he is able to go, I was actually just telling him, like, I'm upset, upset that he's missing so much school. I'm like, ah, so I asked if he could have taken stuff out of his back. I gotta be honest, this is not school I would be sad about missing. Um, if this is my teacher, I'm just fine not being in her class. Not an issue for me. Please get out of my hair. Get off my back. Give me a break. Um, yeah, she said his mother says, so the Gadsden flag. And she goes, the don't tread on me flag. She doesn't even know what it's called. So this teacher doesn't know anything about the actual background of this flag. She doesn't know anything about what the what where it originated. It actually originated from the Revolutionary War, nowhere near the Civil War. She doesn't know. She doesn't care. It doesn't matter to her. She's got a point to make. Um, somebody said Colorado Springs, if I recall correctly. I'm not sure. Um, Andy says the real crime here is that the kid is not being homeschooled. Yeah, hopefully that will change after this. I do have to admit... I understand that not everyone can homeschool. Sometimes both parents need to work. But I really think that we need to pick apart the idea that both parents need to work. Because usually we say both parents have to work to do something like pay the mortgage on this million dollar home. Right? And I personally would take exception to that because I don't think that you need a million dollar home. I think it's much more important that your kids actually get the education they need and deserve much more important for that to happen than for you to have a million dollar home if you're able to buy food and pay for medical care and stuff like that if you have insurance for your job that's great but if you can get one parent who is not working you're going to be in a much better position as far as raising your kids your kids will thank you Stevie says these are the same people who think Punisher Marvel comic book the character logo is white supremacy not a bright bunch, honestly. Greg says the second best flag you can buy. 
A lot of really cool flags from American history that no one ever even talks about anymore. The Betsy Ross flag is awesome. That's what Colin or somebody got in trouble for the putting that on a shoe, as I recall, and they took it off. Yeah, so Jaden and his mother talked to an administrator from the Vanguard School who claimed that the flag had origins with slavery. Let's see. His mother was quick to defend her son, claiming the flag originally comes from the American Revolution as a symbol of the 13 colonies fight against the British crown. Did not promote slavery. She can be heard in the video saying it had nothing to do with slavery. That's like the Revolutionary War patch that was displayed when they were fighting the British. As part of the back and forth, she questioned if the school employee was mistaking it for part of the Confederate flag or for the Confederate flag. Entirely possible. I mean, they look so similar. I know you guys know what the Confederate flag looks like. This flag looks just like it. Same color and everything. Crazy. The administrator responded, I am here to enforce the policy that was provided by the district indefinitely. You have every right not to agree to it. But his mother was backed up by Democrat Colorado Governor Jared Polis, who weighed in on the issue, denying that the flag was racist, instead claiming that it was a great teaching state moment. He said the Gadsden flag is a proud symbol of the American Revolution and an iconic warning to British or any government not noted not to violate the liberties of Americans. This is what I mean when I talk about having a great deal of respect for Jared Polis as probably the last moderate Democrat in a position of power in the U.S., last of a dying breed. It appears on popular American medallions and cha- challenge coins through today, and Benjamin Franklin also adopted it as a symbol to symbolize the union of the 13 colonies. It's a great teaching moment of history lesson for a history lesson. Yeah, correct. It was designed by South Carolina soldier Christopher Gadsden in the mid-1770s during the Revolution. That's right. Yeah, good for Jared Polis for stepping in for sure. Emails sent to the mother by Jeff Yoakum, the director of operations at the school, were obtained by Libertas Institute President Connor Boyack. Oh, I'm familiar with Connor. That's awesome. He claimed that the flag was banned from the school because of its links to racism, quoting a graphic design scholar, Paul Brusky. Brusky, who works for Iowa State University, said because of its creator's history and because it's commonly flown alongside Trump 2020 flags, Confederate battle flags, and other white supremacist flags, some may now see the Gadsden flag as a symbol of intolerance and hate or even racism. But that's such a reach. Such a reach. Yoakum also shared an article which stated a dispute with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission after a Postal Service worker wore a Gadsden flag hat to work. Nonsense. The EEOC did not rule on the claim, which was on the basis of racial discrimination, but did not find that the Gadsden flag is in fact a racist symbol. That's right. However, it claimed that the flag has been interpreted to convey racially tinged messages in some contexts. Such a freaking reach. Give me a break. Gadsden flag was designed by South Carolina soldier Christopher Gadsden. What? Right. We read that earlier. Submitted the design to the Provincial Congress in South Carolina. Commodore S. Isaac Hopkins. I'm assuming that's a version, a form of Isaac. Commander of the New Continental Fleet. Carried a similar flag in early 1776 when his ships were, went to sea for the first time. Good for him. Very cool. So there's a little bit of history in that article for you. I'm very glad that this kid stood up for what he believed was right. So glad his mom had his back for sure. I think that's very cool. Let's see here. This kid knows more history than the teacher. So that the reason they do not. Right, right, right. Kazan flag. Okay, cool. Symbol for standing up against authoritarian rule. Kind of like this woman. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't make me point at the flag again, lady. And somebody tweeted and they asked, what does this mean? I think it was Shia, Shia Raychik, who is behind Libs of TikTok. 
And she said, what does this flag mean to you? And she shared a picture of the Gadsden flag. And I said, because I'm a cynic, I said, empty slogans, because it doesn't actually mean anything. <laughs> and And people took issue with that. But at the same time, it's like, to me, it does mean empty slogans, because people were flying it a lot during COVID. And it's not really effective. People don't really take it seriously. And I'm like, what is it now other than empty rhetoric? And somebody came back at me and they're like, actually, when it was originally brought about, it meant bravery, fearlessness, unification. I'm like, I don't care. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about our generation and the people who are refusing to stand up for these principles. It makes me sad. It's a really cool idea. I love it. And I love the history behind it. But our generations are not willing to actually stand up for what it says, right? Don't tread on me. What's going to happen if I do? Nothing. It turns out I will wear the mask. It turns out I will take the vaccine. Not only that, I'll rally behind the president who put together the vaccine because you can tread on me and it doesn't matter to me what you do. I'll just keep supporting you and I won't ever actually make a positive change. And and that way it's kind of depressing, at least for me, but I'm glad it exists and it reminds me of a better time as far as our forebears go, for sure. But I digress on that count. Where else are we going to look? Oh, we only have a couple minutes left. Okay, I was going to talk about Bohemian Grove. I won't do that today. We'll save that for the bonus hole on Friday. Uh, I was going to talk about Hurricane Idalia, but we already talked about that. Um. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. I think I'll end with this one, and we'll talk about California either tomorrow or Friday. So this one's fascinating. The unvaccinated generation. Up to one in 10 kindergartners are not getting their vital shots in some U.S. states after the pandemic, CDC data shows. So what is the situation where you live? Really interesting question. I wonder what could have precipitated this. Percentage of kindergartners with non-medical exemptions rose in 2021 to 2022. Non-medical exemptions are claimed for religious or philosophical reasons. The share of children who are exempt from having their shot, their school vaccinations is rising as anti-vax anxiety grips American parents. Why is that happening? Why do you guys think that's happening? Why are Americans incredibly dubious about all vaccinations now? Because there's a very simple, very clear reason for why this is. And it's not because Republicans are bigots, even though they might try to tell you that is why. The share of children, right. Data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that for 2021-2022 school year, 2.6% of kindergartners in the U.S. had a vaccine exemption, an increase from 2.2% from the prior school year. Non-medical exemptions, those based on parents' religious or philosophical beliefs, are mainly behind the rise, suggesting a genuine health issues are not to blame. The five states with the highest kindergartner vaccination exemption rates are Idaho, Utah, Oregon, interesting, Oregon, Oregon is not a conservative bastion, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Hmm. That is really interesting to me that Oregon is on that same wavelength. Too many pictures. Come on, guys. For the school year, 2.3% of kindergartners with any exemptions had a non-medical exemption. The share is also in the increase from prior school years when 1.9% had non-medical exemptions. Childhood vaccinations for kindergarten for kindergarten include those to protect against chickenpox. I got chickenpox. I was fine. Polio, measles, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis or whooping cough. 
When it comes to medical exemptions, which are allowed when a child has a medical condition that prevents them from receiving a vaccine, that percentage has remained mostly consistent over the last 11 school years. For the 2021 to 2022 school year, a lot just 0.2% of kindergartners had a medical exemption. A school year is measured from August to June the following year. The states with the lowest percentage of vaccination exemptions are Mississippi, New York, and West Virginia, extremely conservative state, West Virginia, all tied at 0.01%. California had a rate of 0.02%. I can't get these numbers right. And Washington, D.C. has a rate of 0.5%. Each state has different guidelines when it comes to vaccine requirements for schools and exemption guidelines. So what do you guys think is behind this? Because obviously it's not medical need or medical inability to get these vaccinations, but something has changed. Um, And I'm curious if you guys think it's going to get better or going to get worse. I think it's a timeless sentiment, says Stevie, about the Gadsden flag. And each generation adapts it to fit their time. We adapt it terribly. We are not in a position or we have not put ourselves in a position where we're able to say, you know what, I will sacrifice everything for the purpose of defending liberty. Uh, We are not willing to be eternally vigilant. And that is what freedom requires to keep. And I think that's part of the reason that we're losing that freedom right now. Uh, Jared says, gotta go. Bye, Lydia and everyone. Goodbye, Jared. We're about to wrap here in just a minute. Stevie says, because at this point, the CDC and FDA have backpedaled on every single thing they confidently told us during the lockdowns. Yes, 100%. Uh, Andy says, there are still a lot of crunchy liberal moms out there who are skeptical of vaccines. Absolutely, 100%. That's probably what Oregon is. Stevie says, vax hesitancy originally came from greeny, hippie-ish types, and they were like 99% lefties. Yeah, 100%. And two ladies says, it's going to get worse. I think so, too. I think so too, but only time will tell. That was just kind of interesting to me because it seems to be a bit of a trend and I'm curious. I think that probably the best possible solution, the best case scenario in my mind would be for everyone to eat healthier and to move more and to make sure that they need less medical care and also to remove all their children from public schools so they don't get these communicable diseases, but that could just be wishful thinking, but... I will leave it there. It is now fully dark. I still think it's pretty cloudy out there. Hopefully Andy can get out and skate and move a little bit. And hopefully we don't get pummeled by a hurricane. So thank you guys again, once again. Thank you guys once again for joining me this evening. I will see you all tomorrow when hopefully I'm less short of breath. You never know what you're going to get with me. Sometimes I can talk, sometimes I can't. But either way, we get through the news just fine together. And he says it is hurricane season. That's entirely correct. Sunlight and fresh air too. Yes. A little weight. Wash your hands now and then. Yes. All very good advice for sure. All right, you guys. I will see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. Um, remember what we say over here. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay out of Target. Until tomorrow. Bye, guys.